0: So these things I cannot do without the power of the Holy Spirit, nor do we want to try and change the culture around us by any means, other means, but the move of the Holy Spirit. So prayer is the vehicle for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a privilege for the Christian elite, but the promise to all believers. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan, Capistrano. So, Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 1, and it says this, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So, with that, let's bow our heads and we'll pray for just a moment. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we do ask Lord that you would, um, as was asked by your followers to teach us how to pray. Lord, something that we know is vital to our life as a Christian. um, The Lord often it can be something that we neglect. And um, Lord, may that be something you stir in our hearts tonight. Teach us what it is to pray. Teach us what it is to to have a relationship with you. And so, um, God, as your followers ask, Lord, we pray that you would teach us by the power of the Holy Spirit and um, that our hearts would be open to you this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, What an interesting thing to ask Jesus about, to teach them. If you could ask Jesus any question to teach you how to do something, I don't think I would ask him to teach me how to pray. I would ask him to teach me how to do something I can't do, like, Can you teach me how to, I should have wrote some things down, but like, can you teach me how to not be so fat? That would be good. Like, that would be a good one. Teach me how to have self-control. Like, and he gave me his Holy Spirit for that one. Um, Teach us how to do these miracles that you do, like manifest bread. That would be a great Uh, great one. Like teach me how to make bread out of nothing. That would really help me out in my grocery shopping. How, like, how do you do the fish thing where you like caught a fish and pulled money out of its mouth to pay taxes? Like that would be great with, gas prices the way they are um, I could earn some extra cash as a side gig by catching fish uh, teach us how to heal the lame the sick and the blind like that would be something also I would love to learn how to do remember the, that story where Jesus is walking through the town and there's a, a funeral procession coming out there's a kid in a coffin Jesus reaches in and touches the kid and he comes back to life he's in a coffin like on his way out of town raising him from the dead that also would be a cool thing to know how to do Teach us how you control the weather with your words, how you calm seas and raging storms. Those of you who are like, I just want it to be fall. I just want it to be cold and be able to wear my, my sweater. So if I could just make it cold, that'd be awesome. No, just kidding. But how, you know, with all the things like, oh man, I wish I could control the weather. That'd be cool. Teach me how to do that. Um, teach me how to talk to girls <laughs> or whatever. Uh, you know, teach me how to be suave or whatever. You may be asking the Lord to teach you. Whatever your Google searches are currently. If Jesus could just impart that wisdom to you. That would be something I would ask. They could have asked to tell him, what are the great dangers and pitfalls of ministry to stay away from? What what way should we brand like this new ministry that we're starting? But they asked Jesus how to teach them to pray. And I think, I think it's the, this is the reason. Because of what prayer is and because of what it accomplishes. They asked him, teach us how to pray. And Jesus does. He gives them a model for prayer. It's not the prayer. It's not like the magic prayer that if you pray this, uh, right, the Lord's Prayer, when you pray, say, our Father is in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? It's not that if you pray that specifically as many times as you can, you will then bend the arm and will of God to do what you want him to do. But prayer is designed in such a way that it is powerful and it has the ability to accomplish something, but also what it is and why God gives it to us. Those are those are questions. Like, what, what is prayer? How do I pray effectively? Uh, I don't know about you, but I pray three times a day. Uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner. No, like we all, you know, you pray uh, when things are going bad. Like, God, help me. Like, you shoot one up. Like, pew. Um, or like, here she comes, Lord, help me. And you're like, Hey, uh, <laughs> oh, sweater weather. Am I right? Oh, I you know, you missed it or whatever. Um, or someone's sick or something's difficult. You have a test, you have a whatever. Uh, you're in a job interview and you're like, God, please, this has to be the Trader Joe's. Like I've gone to 12 of them. This has to be the one I get hired at. Please let it be the Trader Joe's of my choice. My nephew's been to like seven and it's like not happening. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, he's a college graduate. Um, anyway, apparently you need more to work at Trader Joe's. But anyway, prayer often is something we throw up at like as a, latch, uh, a last ditch effort. Like I've tried everything, so I guess I'll pray about it. Right, it's like I've, I've tried everything I could, so I guess like, uh, I guess all we can do is now pray. Right, it's always like the last thing we do. And R.A. Torrey, who wrote the, uh, he wrote a book on the Holy Spirit. He's one of the founders of Biola University. He said this, Prayer is necessary because of what it accomplishes. He who lives without prayer, he who lives with little prayer, he who seldom reads the word, and he who seldom looks up to heaven for a fresh influence from on eye, he will be the man whose heart will become dry and barren. However, He who falls in secret on his God, who spends much time in holy retirement, who delights to meditate on the words of the Most High, and whose soul is given up to Christ, such a man must have an overflowing heart. As his heart is, such will his life be, said Charles Spurgeon. Speaking of what prayer is intended for. In the New Testament alone, we have the word pray with three different suffixes. Mentioned some 136 times, not to mention the types of prayers, whether it be supplication or intercession. So if there's anything that the New Testament is teaching us, it's teaching us that prayer is a necessity. Right? You have the, the new church that is birthed of a move of the Holy Spirit. And as this church is, is going out, and it's moving across the world and changing it and transforming it. It was birthed out of a single prayer meeting in an upper room. So, so prayer is something that the Bible is encouraging the early church as well as the church that continues that it is vital to its existence. It's prayer. Not just in a corporate setting, but in a personal, in each individual's personal life. And this gives us an indication that prayer is important. But I don't know about you, but one of the hardest things for me to do is to pray. Um, It is really hard, mainly because I feel like an idiot when I'm doing it. Right? You ever try to pray and you're like, "I'm going to pray out loud so I can keep track of what I'm," and then you're like, "I'm just talking to myself." You know, like there's no one else here. I'm just talking to myself in my car, and people are (laughs) looking at me funny. And and so you start bobbing your head, so it looks like you're singing, but you're like, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. And and so it looks like you're rapping or something like that. But you're really just talking. And sometimes I knew uh, when I was a youth pastor, I'd ask kids, like, well, did you pray about it? They're like, I can't. Like, I, I physically have tried, and the minute I sit down to pray, I just can't do it. I feel weird. I don't know what to say. I, I'm trying my these and my thous, like thou art God and I am thy not, or whatever. And you feel awkward, and how do I even talk to this almighty, powerful being? But perhaps it's one of the hardest things to do, because the devil knows that it's one of the most powerful things we can do. And nothing feels like we're more inactive or wasting time than when we're praying. Right when you're like, I gotta get this done. I need this now. You're like, I'm on a time crunch. The last thing you're thinking of is like, maybe I should take ten minutes to pray about it, or pray this in, or pray God's heart, or or this girl just, you know, DM me like, how do I respond? Like, I don't know. You're like, I don't, I don't have time. Like, it's now. Like, what's up? Yeah, let's meet. Should I? You know, maybe you didn't, maybe should have prayed about that one. But you know, um, I don't know why those illustrations keep popping in my head, but they do. But nothing feels more inactive or like you're wasting time than when you're praying. But the truth is, nothing is more vital to the Christian life. So the question we ask the Bible is, why is prayer important? And how do we approach prayer? Okay, so we're going to try and answer those two questions. First one is, is this, prayer is a privilege. Prayer is a privilege. Romans 5, verse 1, if you have your Bible I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. But Romans 5, 1, if you're writing these verses down, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access to or access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So the Apostle Paul is proving the point in Romans chapter 4 that that we are justified by our faith. Justified is a, an accounting term. It means, or it's a legal term. It means just as if it had never happened. It means there is no record of it. So if you, you have a criminal record and it's saying that you've been justified, it means that that criminal record has been expunged. It doesn't exist. They look through the cabinet and it's not there. There is no record of our sin. And the Apostle Paul says, if, if it was our ability to do that, we'd all be on our way to hell. But we've been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So by placing your faith and trust in him, leaning all on Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sins, my sins, are wiped away, washed away, expunged. They do not exist. They're gone. There is no record of them. Right? That's justified. And he says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, what has taken place? We have peace with God. We're no longer at war with God. Where we once were because of sin. And through him, we've also obtained access to God. You can now communicate and have relationship with God that otherwise did not exist this side of the cross for us. Sin brings about a wedge and wall between us and God. That it cannot be crossed over except because blood has to be sacrificed. There has to be, someone has to pay the price for it. There has to be blood applied. And Paul says this access that, that he's talking about is unique to this side of the cross because the open door into the presence of God, anytime, place, is a unique privilege that our Old Testament brothers and sisters had only seen a foreshadowing of what was to come. So the fact that we can just close our eyes, open our eyes, start talking to God in a weird old office building and not in the temple itself and be able to access the very throne room of God is unique because of what Jesus has done on the cross. This is why prayer is a privilege. This was not something that everyone got to experience before the the death of Jesus Christ. They had to come to the priest and offer a sacrifice and come to God of like, don't kill me, kind of a thing. So the Old Testament believer would only have had a separate, he would have been separated from the presence of God by at least three different veils in the temple. Okay, so there's three different veils that they were separated from, like even getting close to the to the presence of God or accessing the presence of God. Where we get to access it every time someone sings or says, Dear Lord, in in like a non-like, Oh my gosh, sense like, dear Lord, that's disgusting. Or, or like, dear God, we're coming to you in prayer and accessing your very presence through this, through speech. Like, that is something that the Old Testament believers were separate. There's three different veils they couldn't go through. Like, this is a privilege, something we get to do. There was a veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. There's another veil that separated the inner court of the temple from the holy place. And finally, there was a veil that separated the inner court to the outer court. So if you were a Gentile or a woman, sadly, you were separated from the presence of God three times. Three different times you couldn't get through. Jesus had three nails placed, two through his hands, one through his feet. And the spike that opened up his flesh opened up those veils. Man, we can come directly into the presence of God. A few years ago, I got to go to Israel, and and we went under the Temple Mount, and through the Western Wall, you'll see pictures of the Western Wall, where people have their faces pressed into this wall, and they they write down their prayers, and they stick them in the cracks of the wall, and you never turn your back to the wall, because it's like the closest to the very presence of God they could get, uh, the Jewish people believe, and so you always you know, walk backwards and there's, it's a solemn place. You don't mess around. It's not a place where you're like, or whatever, making fun of it. It's very like serious, but you can walk down into this like deeper cavern um, to the backside of the temple. And as you go underneath the ground, you're underneath the earth. um, And the Muslims have built on top of that, which is, you know, cool. (laughs) It's not cool. But you go in through this little like tunnel And as you go through, it gets darker and darker. And then there's a group of people all huddled around this one spot. And they're like, just earnestly praying, earnestly praying. And I'm like, what is this spot? And they're like, this is what they believe the closest, like, this is the Holy of Holies. It would have been right above where we are. And so they feel the closest they can get to God is right here. And I thought to myself, that's cool. But the Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God dwells in us. I can access him anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Right? Isn't that cool? That's why it's a privilege. That's why prayer is a privilege. I get to access Almighty God. I don't have to fly to Israel, thank God. I don't have to like burrow burrow into the earth and find this one spot. I'm like, okay, finally I'm here. Now I can ask him, God, help me with my math test. (laughs) right or help me with my language or whatever like help me with uh, i can access God anytime sorry that was my whiny voice but anytime anytime any place i can access the throne of god um, that's why hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 it says let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need the writer of hebrews is writing to a group of people right he's writing to the hebrews who are still going about practices in order to earn God's favor and get closer to God. And he says, you don't have to do that. Come boldly, brashly, into the very presence of God, where you can find and obtain mercy and grace in your time of need. You don't have to go through those rituals anymore. It's been completed in Christ. Don't go back into those old traditions and those old ways. Let's pursue this new thing. The veil has been torn. We can enter in. There's grace. There's mercy. It's available any time any place then the gospel tells us that we were once afar far off from God but Christ has brought us near by his blood where once we were separated from God because of sin Jesus opens the door and says all are welcomed who will come by faith all can come in near as near as possible so close listen That someone once said that the Holy Trinity of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that we relate to them as God our Father, Jesus our brother, because we are co-heirs with Christ, and the Holy Spirit our closest friend. Like, that's how close he brings us. It's not like that weird acquaintance that you're like, yeah, I know them, but I don't want to know them. Right? We all have those. You don't have those people? I have those people in my life where I'm like, I know them, but I wish... I wish I didn't, and none of them are in this room. But um, there have been times, there will be times in your life where you're like, ooh, this is, I like you at a distance, like over there, way over there, maybe in Egypt, you know, or whatever, as far as we can get away from each other. But That's not what the gospel tells us. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ. It tells us that no longer do we have to go through a priest to get to God. Jesus is our great high priest who gives us access to God the Father. That's why prayer is a privilege. This is, this is such a privilege for us. And I think that's, that's the, the why of prayer, why it's so powerful. It's because we are not going through a different channel each time. We are going directly to God. Directly to God. Direct access to God. You know what's great about being um, a child? like or, or like, um, Sorry, hold on, let me rephrase that. What's great about being one of my kids? There you go is that they can access me anytime, right? They can come to me anytime. Even when the bathroom door is closed, they can come in anytime, like whether I want them in there or not. They're like, Dad, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, building the rocket ship, get out of here. And they're like, I wanna see the rocket? And you're like, God. But here they are just trying to access me anytime. They can come into my room in the middle of the night and they access me, whether I want them there or not. Why? Because they're my kids and they come boldly anytime they want. They they have total access to me anytime, any place. And the Bible says that we are the children of God. Therefore, we have access anytime, any place. You don't have to go through a secretary or anything. You just go right in. You walk right in. So not only is prayer a privilege, but secondly, prayer is powerful. It's powerful. Prayer is difficult because it doesn't feel like it goes anywhere. Has that ever happened to you? like, I know I prayed something, but I don't know what I prayed, and I'm not sure where it went. I can't see where it goes. I can't see it being heard. Often we don't see the immediate effects of prayer, therefore we doubt the power behind it. But nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. Acts chapter 1 tells us that before Jesus ascended into heaven, his instruction for his disciples was first to do nothing. Right? Acts chapter one, he's like, here's what I want you to do. As he's ascending in the clouds, like he's leaving the earth. He's like, I have really specific instructions for you. Here's what I want you to do first. Number one, do nothing. Do nothing. I want you to wait. And they're like, anything but that. Is there any other thing that I could do but wait? Because that sounds horrible. I want you to wait in Jerusalem, he tells them, Wait. There were things to do. There were promises from the Lord. They would do a greater signs than these. And the the gates of hell would not prevail against them, right? They have all these like words from the Lord. And they're like, oh, I can't wait to get going. And Jesus is like, before I'm ascending, uh, wait. Don't do anything yet. Wait in Jerusalem. He says, not until you have waited upon the Lord and received power from the Holy Spirit. Francis Schaeffer, he was a pastor back in the 1940s and he he was the guy that everyone wanted at their conferences. They wanted him to come and speak and and he would speak of the direction that the church was going. Kind of like a modern day, um, uh, no, that's a bad idea. It's a bad (laughs) example, but he kind of was like this culturalist, if that makes sense. So he had a real pulse on like what was going on in the world and where it was heading and where it was moving. Uh, I, I guess you would say he understood progression and things like that and where, where the, the world was heading. And so as a, a cultural commentator, there we go, he was able to say like, this is kind of where the church is heading and this is what is happening in culture. And so he was teaching in kind of this prophetic way as to as the world moves this way, the church is going to move this way. Um, there's also a guy named Mark Sayers, same kind of thing. A cultural student and just kind of can speak into these crazy things. It's, it's fascinating, the stuff he talks about. And um, anyway, but he was asked, what is the greatest? So Francis Schaefer was asked, what is the greatest obstacle to the ministry of the modern church? What he didn't say was the rise of postmodernism, which is crazy. He didn't say it's the rise of secularism. He said the greatest danger. It was not the lack of church presence in the public square. He says the greatest danger, the greatest obstacle to the church is doing ministry in the flesh. Doing ministry in the flesh, meaning trying to walk with Jesus in your own strength. Trying to carry out the great commission according to your own strength. Now, what we learn is that prayer is a privilege, it's powerful, because prayer is a vehicle for the Holy Spirit. Not like a weird way. Not like you're, 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 you know, you empty and something else fills you and you're out of control, right? That's not what the Bible teaches us. It's not like we're possessed and there's no control. But what the Bible tells us is that the apostles were told to wait, but there was so much to do. First, they said, I need his spirit. You ever thought about that, about your day and you're like, Uh, I think it was Martin Luther. He says, I have so much to do today that I must spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. Like there's so much to do. I'm not saying you have to spend three hours in prayer in order to like be holy. That's not what I'm saying at all. Because odds are spending three minutes in prayer is difficult enough. You ever tried that? You're like, I'm gonna block out some time. Boom, I'm gonna start praying. Here we go, one hour. 30 seconds go by and you're like, I don't know what to say anymore. Help my dog and my cat. You know, you just start running out of things. I don't know what else to pray, and it, it's just—it's hard. So what Martin Luther was saying is like, I have so much to do. I cannot, like, I cannot neglect prayer. There's so much to do. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need God's spirit in my life because our purpose, uh, because our purpose cannot be accomplished by what we can provide, right? What is the purpose of your life? Don't pull that thread too hard, but what is the purpose? If strip away your like ambitions in life, what is your purpose according to the Bible? What is your purpose in life? It is to glorify God in this body. And that looks like in so many different things. You're a soccer coach to the glory of God. You bake cakes to the glory of God. You're a teacher to the glory of God. You're a barista. You foam that milk to the glory of God. Your purpose is not what you do for a living. Your purpose is that you're a child of God indwelt by his Holy Spirit to be used to the glorification of Jesus Christ through the gospel being preached and people coming to him. So if you're a mom someday to the glory of God, that is a high and holy calling. Fellas, if you're a dad someday, God bless you. That is a high and holy calling to the glory of God. Your purpose is not just like what you you know went to college to do and therefore you have your degree and then I'm on my way like, yeah, that's good. But aren't you so much more than that when you think about it? It's always, it's so interesting when people are like, this is who I am. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a rodeo clown. And without rodeo clowning, like, I don't know who I am. Aw. That's sad. Because you're so much more than a rodeo clown. <laughs> like, right? It's so, you're so much more than that. Even people like, listen, this is, this is a, like a serious thing. Their sexuality defines who they are. Aren't you more than who you're attracted to? Aren't you so much more than that? What a cheap substitute. Who is the chief of cheap substitutes? The devil. He loves to strip away what's valuable and it just, right? It, it just gives you something so much cheaper and so much less than what you really are. And it's crazy. People will define who they are total in totality. Their mission and goal in life based on their sexuality. You're more than that. You're much more than that. You're a soul. You're a soul. You're valued by God. in, in so much. More, you're so valuable that God sent his own son to shed his own blood so that you can live with him forever. That's how valuable. He didn't just purchase you with a credit card. He bought you with the blood of his own son. Spilt his blood. Became human so that he would have blood to spill. Crazy. Okay? So you're more than, more than that. Uh, and I got off topic for a second. I don't want to be a husband. I don't want to be a father. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be an employee, without the power of the Holy Spirit, because I can't. Those callings, like that God has placed on my life specifically, are difficult callings, high callings, and I can't do them without the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't have the strength. I don't have the brain power. I don't have the schooling, guys. I barely graduated from high school. I can barely speak English, which is my first language. I don't even know how to use a comma for crying out loud. Okay, so, so these things I cannot do without the power of the Holy Spirit, nor do we want to try and change the culture around us by any means, other means, but the move of the Holy Spirit. So prayer is the vehicle for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a, a privilege for the Christian elite, but the promise to all believers are you a believer in Jesus Christ tonight? Then the Holy Spirit is yours. That's, you know, hey, hallelujah. Right on. Homeschool high five. That's for you. You get that. It's like Oprah. You get the Holy Spirit. Sorry. We all get it. We all get to access. It's not just for the super Christian who has the, the giant Bible and the giant Bible case. And she's been walking with Jesus for 40 years. And God's like, finally. A worthy servant, and I shall pour out mine spirit. He gives it to, to slummy fishermen, tax collectors, like prostitutes. These are the people that God saw fit to pour out his spirit, to fill them, and to use to change the entire world in the book of Acts. Dude, that's super cool. So the Holy Spirit is is access it's to any to all it's not just for the christian elite so like james chapter 5 verse 17 he says elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for 3 years and 6 months and he prayed again and the heaven and heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit james is making the point he was a man with a sin nature like ours like mine like yours meaning he wasn't perfect elijah was not a perfect man and yet when he prayed, God listened, God heard, and God acted. And then he prayed again, and God answered. They're there on Mount Carmel, <laughs> Elijah's there against 450 prophets of Baal, and you know the story. They're they're trying to have this like God showdown, right? If your God's real, let's see who's God's real. Let's do this. Man, or however you know showdowns go nowadays. I think of it as like a jazz battle, and they're like. <laughs> um, <laughs> dance battle. And they start, you know, whatever. But they they set up an altar and they're like, whoever, whatever God calls, brings fire from heaven first, that's the real one. And you remember the story. They cut themselves, they screamed, it went on for hours and nothing happened. So Elijah is like, I'll do you one better. Watch this. Dig a trench. And then I want you to take water and I want you to just drench this thing. I want the wood to be drenched with water. I want there to be a moat around this altar. I want you to soak the, the cow. I want everything to be as soaked as possible. And he didn't then go like, all right, here we go. Now I need 24 hours to access God. I'm gonna pray for 24 hours, so give me my time. Ready, to go. He just simply says, God in heaven, reveal yourself. And fire comes down from heaven. It licks up the water. I don't know if you know anything about like water and fire. Usually they don't, <laughs> doesn't work. But here it is, man. It sucks up all the water. It consumes the sacrifice and it consumes the prophets of Baal. Like, it just consumes everything. And and the point James makes is like, this guy was a normal guy, just like you and I, a sinner. And he prayed and God answered. Like, that's the point that James is making, that prayer is powerful. Uh, the next minute, after that, he's hiding in the cave asking for God to kill him because he's afraid of Jezebel. Like, this man who did such amazing things, the man that called down fire and changed weather patterns through prayer, he's then hiding in a cave from a woman who he's scared of. And James is telling the New Testament church that if Elijah, who is just like us, can do this, then so can we. We can see the power of God. But it comes through a church that'll pray in faith. James says in, in his book, too, in, in the book of James, he says, pray with faith, with no doubting. Like pray, pray without doubt. I don't know if you've ever prayed and asked God for something, but in your mind you're like, I don't think he's gonna do it. Has that ever happened to you? There's a lot of times, like I'll stand up front on Sunday mornings and people have cancer and and they come up for prayer, and there's all these crazy ailments. And I'm like, dude, I don't know how to, I don't know how to pray for this. Or their baby has leukemia or like whatever. And there's all these like gnarly things. And you're like, okay, let's pray. And I'm just going to ask God. And, and here in my head, I'm like, Lord, I know that you can. And so I'm going to pray in faith. But in my heart, in my head, I'm like, this is, this is impossible. And it's in those moments where the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, pray in faith. Don't let there be doubt in your heart. Like Pray as though God can do anything. And I think sometimes we'll pray and we'll throw one up. We're like, God, heal this person through Excedrin and heal their headache, you know, whatever, instead of just the fact that God can do it without medicine. Does God give us medicine? Sure. There's a great book if you ever want to read it. It's called Why God Doesn't Heal Everybody. Um, so if you have any questions about healing or like, hey man, I prayed. I prayed a bunch of times. David even prayed God spare his child and, and the child died. You know, It's like, why does God do what he does? I don't know. God's sovereign. God has the right to do what he wants. But we should always pray in faith. You remember um, Paul was stoned to death And the guys who were with him prayed and Paul got up from the pile of rocks and he walked out, walked back in the city, kept preaching the gospel. He laid there as though he was dead. He got hit with rocks. Okay, do you ever think about how gnarly that is? The the mode of, of capital punishment for the Jewish people were to pick up rocks and chuck them at another person until they're dead. That's like, that could be drawn out for hours, right? with little rocks, so you can get a big enough rock, like somebody get a big enough rock, chuck it at me, like, it, just think of how long that would go on. And so Paul's getting pummeled with rocks. And he's laying there dead, and these guys gather around and they pray. And all of a sudden, out of the rocks, Paul stands up, shakes it off, goes back in the city and keeps preaching the gospel. Prayer powerful. Prayer powerful. It's one of those things where we read about and we're like, yeah, that was then but this is now. Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same Holy Spirit. Even the Bible says the same Holy Spirit that lives in you is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So either we believe it or we don't. Um, okay. The Bible talks about all kinds of things when it comes to prayer. We're going to move forward, though. Prayer is important and it was practiced by Jesus. so thirdly it's it's a privilege, it's powerful and it was practiced by Jesus. There is no greater argument of why prayer is important than for us to understand that it was important to Jesus. So often in the Gospels as you read in the life of Jesus, we see him go away, re, you know kind of pull back to go and to pray, to seek the Lord. Mark chapter one verse 35 says, Jesus started the day casting out an unclean spirit, he then heals Peter's mother-in-law, and then a bunch of people show up uh, with their sick, and Jesus healed them also. You would think the next day he would, he would sleep in and take it easy, but he doesn't. He gets up early and he prays. Jesus prayed and sought the Lord, and we see him gain vision for that day. Look what it says. If Jesus saw the need to pray as the Son of God, shouldn't we who are flawed and prone to wander from the Lord pray and seek the Lord? Right? Why do I need to pray? Why should I pray? We learn kind of how and, and what it does. Why should I? Well, Jesus thought I was important. The Son of God. It marked his life. Even in his busy ministry life, he still sought time to be alone with the Lord and to pray. And the disciples asked him <laughs> not how to preach, not how to heal or walk on water, but how to pray. And John 17 records that Jesus, before Jesus was crucified, he prayed. So before he was crucified, he didn't do a bunch of push-ups and like, get pumped up and like, get ready for this thing and, and like settle his affairs. What did he do? He went and prayed. He prayed first for himself, he prayed secondly for his disciples, and thirdly he prayed for all believers. John 17, read it. It is a powerful Powerful passage of scripture. Jesus saw that it was important to pray. Lastly here, as we wrap things up, how do we pray? Luke chapter 2, if you're still in the book of Luke. I know it's a little different, like I'm not having you look at the Bible all night long. Are you guys okay? Are you dying of heat? Are you falling asleep? It's warm in here. I'm sweating. Can you see it? I'm glistening a little bit. It's my glisten. It's my holy glow. Feel free to like move around and like if you're it's not distracting. So like move around if you're uncomfortable, it's okay. If you need to stand up, stand in the back, and fall asleep, you need to drink water. By all means. We're not a church, this is just a college group. Like, it's okay. Um, feel free to laugh, even if the jokes aren't funny. Go go ahead, okay? So, how do we pray? Luke chapter two. What? No. Luke chapter 12, there we go, a one is really important. Luke chapter, I just, 11, I put two and it's just 11, crying out loud. Okay, let's look at the Lord's Prayer for a minute. So, how do we pray? Like I said, this is just an outline. This is an example This is not something that we just pray as vain repetition. And if I pray this, God will do whatever I ask, okay? So just want to put that out there first before we go through it, right? Uh, Maybe it's something you've learned as a kid and it's something you recite and it doesn't mean anything to you anymore, okay? This is a beautiful model for prayer. Verse 2 of of Luke chapter 11, it says, uh, Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone in, is in debt to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is known as the Lord's Prayer, but it isn't Jesus, Jesus praying, but teaching us to pray. This is the model of prayer. But it starts with, first of all, it starts with relationships. Relationship. Remember who you're talking to. That's the point. He says, when you come to pray, remember who you're talking to. Our Father, where is he? He's in heaven. He's high above. He's lifted up. He is eminent, but he is also close. He is vast and large, but yet he's as close as my very skin. He's here with me. He is our loving Father. And we come to him like a child would come to his father with unlimited access. I told you, right? My kids have unlimited access to me. Um, my daughter had a nightmare the other night, and she came running in and, like, jumped on me. And my initial reaction was like, why? <laughs> right? Why? But then as things settle in and I realize where I am, right? Does that ever happened to you when you're awake you're and you're like, what is going on? I don't know where I am, am I in war? I'm in war. And you're like, start just swinging at things, you're like, I'm fighting, I don't know. I used to wrestle in my sleep. Um, yeah, it's bad. When I first got married, I, I actually grabbed Lauren and Anaconda squeezed her so hard in my sleep and I was like, Grr! and she's like, wake uh, Like her arms were pinched. she's like, wake up. She was okay, um, but we sleep in different rooms. <laughs> She's all right. But here we go, okay? It comes on <laughs> unlimited access. Unlimited. He is loving, he is willing, he is able. Because he, it's, he knows us and loves us. We never need to be afraid of the answer that he's going to give us. Right? That's the point. He says, remember him as a father. You don't come to him as like a, just his slave and you're like, oh, holy master, be merciful. Like, please give me bread. And he's like, no, back to work, slave. And you're like, ah, right? He says, come to him as your father. Come to him as your father, one who loves you and cares about you. And the fact that he already knows what you need. Like, I know my kids are hungry in the morning. Like, I know that just because, what well, I'm a dad. Like, I know I'm hungry in the morning. So I know that's what they need. I'm going to provide, like, easy. Just, you know, it, it's interesting. When we come to God, and we're like, do you even know? Isn't that cool going into Psalms? And they're like, God, where are you? And you're like, that's funny. I thought the same thing. Because I'm going through some stuff and I don't even know. God, where are you? And God reminds me, I'm in heaven and I can see everything. Like, calm down. I'm in control. Like, just pump the brakes. You crazy little person. Right? I got it. I got it. Holiness, right? We remember that God is holy. The holiness of God. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Beginning with praise, it lifts up our eyes above the problems that we have and puts them on the one who is holy and above all. Upon the one who sits upon the throne of heaven. It's beginning with praise. It reminds us of the character of God. And so we approach him accordingly in his holiness. We we come with a surrender to his will, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Prayer is not getting our will done in heaven, it's getting his will done on earth. And the prayer of the believer is not seeking God's blessing over my plans, but we mirror his vision for our lives. So it's not like, God, I want you to do this thing for me, and I want your blessing over it. It's, God, what is, what is the most blessed my life could be in your hands? Like, how, how is it going to be used for your glory? And, and let me ask you this. If you would glorify God most by losing, are you willing to submit to that? I am not. If you are, are most uh, bringing God most glory by being last... Are you willing to submit to the will of God for that? Prayer doesn't just bless God so that he caves to our, our desire, but we are the ones who are blessed from his wisdom. And God is the one who is outside of time, who can see the beginning and the end. So we submit to his will, God, this is my heart, but do what's best for me. This is what, do what's best for me, God. This is my heart and this is my, my desire. Your will, your desire, your vision for my life is what I desire. And when God says to us, sometimes I think it's, it's just as easy as God saying to them in the, in the garden, like, God, what do you want us to do? And he says, any tree. God, which, which direction do you want me to go? He says, I don't want you to go to this one, but any tree. What do you want to do? What, what is your desire How do you want to bring glory to the name of God? He says, okay, any tree. God, do you want me to go to Stanford or UCLA? And he's like, pick one. Right? Sometimes we think, sorry, I don't want to mess anybody up here. But like, God, do you want me to buy a Corolla or a Camry? He's like, I don't care. Just drive, something that drives. You know, like, God, do you want me to go to, you know, this or that? And he's like, what what would you like to do? Right, If we're in the Garden of Eden and you're like, I'm making God a fruit salad. And you're like, God, what kind of fruit do you want? What kind of fruit salad would you want? And he's like, I just don't want this one. The knowledge of good and evil, any tree will be fine. And so when we pray, we say, God, what, what do you want for me? I want my desires to align with yours. And he says, okay, your heart is pure. Your heart is right in the right place. You have free will. Pick one. They're both good choices. Like not, not one's not you know more evil than the other, or holy than the other. Pick one. Just to, just food for thought. Anyway, ask for what you need. The last part was he say, "Give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread." Maybe you feel like it's wrong or selfish to ask God for something that we need. That we should use prayer mainly to intercede for others. But that's not what the Bible teaches. What does Jesus say? Ask me for what you need. What do you need today? Jesus says, why don't you ask me for it? You ask Google for it, right? Why don't you ask me for it? You ask your boss for it. Why don't you ask me? Let God provide for us. A lot of times we don't give God the, the, the chance to supernaturally provide. First Peter 5.7, seven says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, he will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. James four two, you do not have because you do not ask. Hebrews four sixteen, receive mercy, grace, and joy. Philippians four, six through seven, freedom from anxiety. Why do we feel like we can't ask God for things? Well, maybe it's because we've drifted from the message of the gospel. God has adopted us into his family, made us his child. We are just as much a child that God cares for as anyone else. So you have access. You have access to power through prayer. You have access to the unlimited resources of God because you're his child. Right? It's super cool. You guys with me? All right. Stick, we're almost there. I'm going to end in like four pages. No, I'm just kidding. We're almost done here. And the last one he says to intercede for others. It is due. Uh, it is during intercessory prayer that I become aware of what prayer actually is. It is a spiritual battle. Prayer is the most effective thing we can do to benefit another person. A lot of times we want to act and we want to help and we're like, and that's good. That's a good thing to like love people that way. But one of the most effective things you can do is pray for people. Like, hey, man, let me pray for you. Let me ask God on your behalf. Let me intercede with you. Our words and advice can't change a heart, but the Holy Spirit can change, bless you, someone's heart. So intercession is a way to reach around the world without getting on a plane, right? You can affect for the kingdom of God in another country around the world just by simply praying. Um, So it's about them. Because Satan has a grip upon the world, we must pray specifically and he'll yield. He yields only what and when he must. But lastly is we must persist in prayer, right? Keep on praying. Luke chapter 11, verse 9, it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. The idea here is keep asking, keep seeking, Keep knocking. In other words, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. If you're like praying for something and it's just not, it's not that God isn't answering. God always answers prayer. It's yes, no, keep praying. Wait, keep praying. Let's keep working this in our heart. As much as I desire that thing, God wants my desire to be pure. Or as much as I'm praying for this, God wants to work in my heart, his heart for us. Uh, and lastly, uh, is a quote from Warren Wiersbe. He says, effective prayer is the provision for every need and the solution for every problem. So let us be people of prayer.